plug in those numbers, and we learned that she would be making $3,300 in our time. The cook was paid $240 a year, or $4,400 now. Whether that salary was earned or not probably depends on what Twain thought of the cooking. That, of course, could vary from meal to meal, as well as from year to year, and there's no way to quantify a man's moods, especially Twain's. Alan Pell Crawford Spring, 2017 1. Whatever I touch turns to gold. Like most of us, Mark Twain hated writing checks to other people. But there were times when he happily paid out large sums. Issuing a check for $200,000 drawn on the United States Bank of New York on February 27th 1886, for example, made him almost giddy. The check was made out to Julia Dent Grant, the widow of Ulysses S. Grant, the former president of the United States and commanding general of the Union Army, had died of cancer the summer before, just after completing his remembrances of the Civil War. That payment represented the first profits from sales of Volume One of the Personal Memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant, published only a few months earlier by Charles L. Webster and Company, a startup publishing house that Twain had established two years before. He had installed a nephew, Charles Charlie Webster, as its business manager. Webster got his name on the letterhead and a salary, but that's about all he got out of the position, besides aggravation. Twain made all the business and financial decisions, except when he didn't feel like it. Twain would have been pleased to have published Grant's memoir, even if it had not broken all American publishing records for sheer profitability. Just landing the contract had required Twain to persuade General Grant to break a handshake deal with another publisher. The other publisher had offered Grant a 10% royalty. Twain countered by offering a royalty share unheard of then or since. 75%. The other publisher offered no advance against royalties. Twain said he would pay $25,000 up front. That was a bold gamble, some might say a reckless investment, but it paid off. At that time, the $200,000 royalty check to Grant's widow was the largest ever paid by an American publisher. In the months to come, Webster and company wrote additional royalty checks to Grant's family, bringing its earnings to $450,000, which again broke publishing records. Twain himself pocketed $200,000 for Grant's memoirs. In our own time, that's about $11 million for Grant's widow and $4.8 million for Twain. This sounds like a lot of money. And it was. In 1886, a coal miner made $1.50 per day and paid $6 per month to rent a house for his wife and five children. The family's annual food bill was $80. A pound of butter cost 35 cents, and a dozen eggs 40 cents. For the urban sophisticate, a man's suit coat, $4.85. A piano could be bought for $125, and a three-bedroom apartment in Manhattan rented for $80 a month. By the age of fifty, Mark Twain had achieved something he had dreamed of and worked for his entire life. He was rich. 
Raised in genteel poverty in small towns in Missouri, when Missouri was still the West, Twain, as a grown man, had rubbed elbows with the greatest business tycoons of the time. As the author of The Innocents Abroad, Roughing It, Life on the Mississippi, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, he had seen the world, or much of it. Russian princes and English lords fawned over him. Hundreds of thousands of people bought his books and lined up to hear him speak. With his earnings and his wife's inheritance, he had built a startlingly opulent twenty-five-room mansion in high-toned Hartford, Connecticut. Justin Kaplan, the author of Mr. Clemens and Mark Twain, called the house part steamboat, part medieval stronghold, and part cuckoo clock. And now, as head of his own publishing firm, making money for other authors, he felt...